we live in a world of limitations and boundaries and we live in a world of I think where you grow up and you, you develop your own self-limited beliefs based upon everything that you experience or the, the labels that you might get given. Um, and life is full of those obstacles and curveballs, but they're, it, it's all down to how you look at them. You can look at them as negative things or you can look at them as, as opportunities. Hello humans, welcome to the Limitless Podcast brought to you by Morrison. That's me and Phil. That's me. Hi Phil, good to catch up online. Uh, uh, so so we're uh, today, uh, Phil and I are joined by uh, Matt Rennie. Matty's in the middle of uh, training camp at the moment uh, for, his, for his fight in the coming, coming couple of weeks. So we're recording this 19th of Feb, so hopefully folks will pick it up before the, I think it's the 1st of December, the fight. Uh, and uh, so, so perhaps before we start digging into performance, resilience, leadership, which are, which are things Phil and I like to chat to our guests about, and I'll obviously be a very good subject to pull out in that boxing environment. Maybe you could just give us a, a synopsis, uh, Matt. You're obviously mid training camp. What, what, what the fight's about, who you're fighting, and when it is. Yeah, so obviously, I'm fighting on 1st of December uh, in the Bolton. I think it's called uh, Bolton Re- the Reebok Stadium. I don't know if it's changed the name now. Um, and I'm fighting James Moorcroft, um, a, a top, he's a top back fighter. He's had 22, and he's 119. So it's a it's a step up for me, but one that I'm ready to take, and one that I think I need to take now to get to that to get to that next stage in my career. And the, the lining up of that fight is that, uh, that, that I presume that's uh, through through agents and the gym uh, you with, etc. Yeah, and so we're the next level, I guess, as well. Yeah, and we're both actually with the same uh, promotional company. So this fight's on Channel Five. It's through uh, a promotional company called Wasserman, but we're we're both promoted by VIP, and they basically just accepted that VIP had put that fight and said this would be a good fight for Telly, and they said yeah, they, they like the sounds of it. So that's why the Channel Five have put on. Um, it was originally a ten rounder, but on the weekend just gone. I found out that it was uh, being dropped to an eight rounder. I think due to some changes on the onto the bill. Well, I change your training much between now and then, or no? Just, no, as I said, my my camp finish is it. My my camp will finish on Wednesday, so I've literally got three more days, and then it's one week of just sort of tapering down and concentrating on weight. But my weight's good now. I've done. What, I've been doing ten rounds anyway. I've been, I was originally training for a ten rounder, so I'm ready to go. So let's talk about the uh, the the mental side of the thing, and, and Phil, I'm sure you've dealt, dealt with that, uh, and through 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 your experience, you've dealt with the, the the peripheral or even in the boxing space. Uh, talk about the mind, the process of of athlete for the big event. And that's always I always personally as an observer think that's a lot different. That that moment you get hit in the face, that everything if you've done the things are a bit different. But I I don't know, maybe that's not the case. What's your experience in that space? Yeah, like like I said, um, I've not worked directly with boxers so much. Um, although I know obviously Danny on the Isle of Man and uh, and a few of the others, but I've worked with Rick Moylan a lot. Rick's done a you know a lot of training courses with me. Um, let's say Rick, Rick's worked with uh, multiple world champions. I think I think probably most known for working with Scott Quigg, and and I chat to Rick a lot about 
this idea of the the lonely walk and and pe- people see obviously the way in they see when the fighters go toe to toe when they're in the ring but Rick talks a lot about the mental strength it takes not just for things like the the walk down to the ring the lonely walk as he calls it but you know the time alone in the hotel room where you're trying to prepare yourself you're trying to focus on everything and you could you could your mind could go off in all sorts of different directions and 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 it's I'll be interested in Matty's preparation and how he works in those margins you know the the walk the hotel the stuff that, that a lot of people don't necessarily think are such a huge factors but sometimes are yeah um as i said offline before uh we started this it comes down to better characters and the individuality and um, myself I'm, i like to try to just stay relaxed and just have distractions go out with a dog for a walk and I don't really feel nervous until it starts to last two, two, three days to come up to the fight and you start thinking of it. And when I, when it does pop in my mind, I just try to distract myself with being around with family or good friends or whatever. Um, and then I, like, I always try to, so I'm getting weighed on Thursday. So Wednesday will all be about preparation for Thursday. Just keep my mind getting weighed in. And then as soon as I'm weighed in, the next thing will be right now it's recover now it's recovering, it's fueling up again, getting everything back on board. All your fluid and stuff and your salt intake, all that back on board, doing it right and 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 uh focusing on time as well, like not doing it too quick. Um and then the next stage is the the day of the fight. And it's just basically keep my mind off the fight until the warm up and then as I come to warm up, the focus is the actual warm up. So all them times that I've been sparring in camp, I do a warm up that I feel I feels good feels good to me. Um one that I know and that's my focus is focus on this warm up. That takes your mind off the fight and then you're on the pads doing going through the tactics again. And like we said before about the lonely walk that Phil mentioned then. It's a it's a small walk to the ring, but it's a lonely walk and it's kinda of fight or flight time and you can either lose a the fight there or you can win the fight. And it's just about switching on and staying focused and trying to block everything So you've done all the hard work and now it's time to time to perform. Can you sense in other fighters, Matty, when, you know, because it's such a, you know, it's such a unique thing, um, any sort of um, boxing or, or uh, mixed martial arts. Because, you know, there's obviously thousands and thousands of people sometimes watching it. Do you ever do you ever sense when another fighter isn't confident? Can you see it in their eyes? Do you notice anything about them that? Yeah, sorry to put in. Uh, yeah, no, you, you can, but mainly mainly in the fight, because um, that's when you're up and close with them. You can hear like from the people outside viewing it, they can't hear the breathing techniques and stuff like that. So you imagine getting hit to the body, you hear you can hear them winch. And that spurs you on a bit, do you know what I mean? Um I think out I think outside the ring when you're doing the way in, the face off, all that stuff, it's all just a little it's just for the the fans really, and the fans like to to build it up to something that's not it's, that's not, if you know what I mean. But when you're in the fight and you're you're landing punches and you can feel your knuckles landing and you kinda of look into their eyes and they might maybe to take a little brief breath in. Like I've, I remember my fight in March, and um, I fought a Greek lad who was also undefeated. Um, 
and he had like a bit second round he had a big go at me thrifting at me and I always remember landing a little a small little body shot you wouldn't from from the outside you wouldn't even know when I thrown a body shot and I always remember just hearing it hearing him like winch and I went back to the corner and I just knew that 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 shot I had I had him because it I, I just I just knew from that from that one little punch change change the fight. So are they again not the intricacies of boxing? Then you see those kind of weak spots and they're the areas you start then prodding away at the next few rounds. Yeah, so the weak spot should be remember you've got you've got your coaches as well that are looking ta- at tactical wise. So they're seeing is he is he dropping his hands? Is he doing something wrong? So that's when you when you come back for that minute and you're getting your breath back. They're obviously telling you stuff that he's doing wrong and and you and for you to capitalize on. And then from your own point of view, when you're in there, you see your own things too. You, you, I mean, you've got the the perfect spot. You're in there with the person directly in front of him. So you're able to see what he's, he's also like doing wrong, but you're also able to see if you you know if you're getting to someone or not. You can tell by the, you know, the way that the body is and that they're tiring, if they're just the way they present themselves in the ring, if you get me. That's why we you see me like going about poker face, keeping that poker face. Well, that's all just going to kind of kind of bring Phil into to chat about because again, I guess a part of that uh, there's a, there's a lot of ultimately mind games going on there. Uh, I'm, I'm being trying to play those mind games. Yeah, and I, I, you know, if you look at like cycling as an example, um, uh, you know, the, the the same thing happens in cycling. You know, the the riders are watching each other, just the way they pedal. Um, you know, unperceivable to the fan watching the race, even on TV. But the cyclist, when you when you're sharing, you know, 120 miles on a stage, you can notice tiny, tiny little things, and and then and then often that 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 like Mike was saying, stuff that other people wouldn't even notice that that, that athletes do, and then they kind of capitalize on. It. And and it is it's often a battle of wills, isn't it? You know, your your mind will give your body will give him way before your mind um and if you can stay in the fight if it's cycling if it's tennis if it's golf if, if it's boxing and you can endure whatever that person can throw at you like mike says and then it doesn't it doesn't chop down the metaphorical tree then puts you in a great position i, I always remember tyson's famous um um when he when he when he squared off at the start of a fight and the other fighter had been saying loads of stuff to Tyson in the in the preview. I can't remember who he fought, fought against. Might he might know, but all Tyson did was chew his gum shield and then just watched him with his eyes go like sort of Tyson's eyes going left to right, left to right, locking in on the guy. Um, and it must have like you know I couldn't even imagine the intensity of that. You know, staring down at someone like Tyson. But it's a fascinating thing. Boxing is probably if you if you if you look at the mental side of sport. Each sport brings a very unusual element. You know, golf is very much about dealing with pressure, being able to just play against yourself, stay focused. But boxing's really unusual because you do have that. It's 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 a it's an explosive, aggressive sport, but you've got to fight it like a game of chess, which is fascinating for me. Um, absolutely fascinating. Do, do you do you look at any other athletes, Matty? Do you study anyone else and 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 try and model any of their sort of tips or anything that you see that that you can use um to in terms of styles or in terms of the the, the mentality or both or both you know maybe the mentality first but both absolutely 
Yeah. Um, I suppose styles, I kind of look at a lot of great fighters. Like, um, I don't know if you're into boxing, but there's like Terence Crawford, there's, there's, there's Lomachenko, there's many great boxers out there. And you always, when you watch these fighters, you always, you know, try and take bits off and practice in the ring and stuff. I'd like to try to have an all-round game to your boxing. Uh, like I try and have every tool in the box, basically. And then the mental side of it, I think it's... I don't think that comes within, like, other people. I think that comes on, on how you've been brought up, who you've been surrounded by in your life, for example. I, I grew up just a, just a normal, like, working-class family when my dad was a roofer, go out every day, grafts, you know, and, 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 and kind of put... You knew he worked, worked very hard. And I seen that every day as a kid growing up. So that's what I needed to see for me to now do it. And although I'm not roofing and boxing, I put that grafting every day. And I and it's a it's a total different sort of. We did watch the word. It, it, it's two total different comparisons, but you're still working extremely hard and showing that mindset that every day, no matter what you do, you got to get up and give it your all. Really interesting. So, uh, just uh, just kind of just look back to the nervous question. The nerves you get, Maya, are they are they nerves of are they nerves of struggling sleep? They nerves of uh, you know stomach kind of nerves, or you know in those moments when you get distracted by the nerves, where are they in you? Uh, I think the main thing for me is probably if I'm going to be totally honest, is letting people down. You feel like. Although boxing is like I'm in the ring on my own and I'm the one doing the work, I know you have a team behind you that help you with your running, your strength, your boxing coaching and stuff. But for me, it's like if I was, I feel like I'd be letting down family and friends and stuff. And and I know, I know if you were to go and speak to them, they'd be like, they they'd be totally like, no, you you're not letting us down. You know, you you're giving your all. We're all here to support you. I know what would, I know exactly what would come back out of their mouths, but. For me, as uh, from a personal perspective, that's my biggest fear is like letting down my family. And that's what spurs me on is just if I win this fight, I know they're going to be all made up of me. Is that some common you've seen with athletes, Phil? Yeah, I mean, like fear can be used in a very positive way. You know, the, the, some you know, athletes are motivated by different things. You know, some are motivated towards what they want. You know, you know towards a goal. Some are motivated away from what they don't want. You, know, you look, you look at Cav. You know, Cav's biggest, you know, his motivation was to 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 get away from working in a bank. And he realised that if he didn't make it as a cyclist, he was going to be sat as a bank clerk. And almost that that thought pressed him on as much as anything else. According if you read some of his books, so different athletes have different motivations. I find. Um, one of the things that I I do with the athletes is I we we talk, just talk about the science around what they're experiencing. So when someone is in their fight or flight, it's just the nervous system. So all of the things that you described there, Martin, you know the 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 kind of the loss of appetite, the unable to keep your feet still, and unable to settle down. That's just your body accessing the flight response, which there's no amount of preparation is ever going to erase that. So you kind of got to learn about it understand that that's just your body doing what it does naturally when you're in a, any sort of situation and then be able to kind of manage it and i think that's what the best athletes do they 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 quickly learn the nerves of whatever description whether it be sweaty palms whether it be a churning of the stomach it, it's just their nervous system it's just their sympathetic nervous system activating um and actually 
that's a very natural response. And you would be more worried if they weren't getting into that state because then you've got that problem, then they're perhaps not getting aroused enough, you know, because they're not in that kind of zone where they're really, their fight or flight is activated because you kind of need it for, you need that for, for performance. So just one other question around on the, I suppose the mind thing. So the, obviously box, I suppose very well known for it, uh, pre-type, uh, certainly the boxers going at each other. <clears throat> Again, is that a lot of that outside of trying to obviously sell tickets and, and prom promo the, the boxing event? I think a good chunk of that as well is about uh, trying to get a mind advantage over the opponent. Either of you can answer that or both of you. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be interested in Matty's take on that. I mean, obviously, I think yeah, sure. in, the, in the last five years, I think there's been a lot of fighters that have changed the game when it comes to hyping the fight. McGregor being probably the best example. Um, but I don't know how much of that actually affects the fighters i'd be it'd be interesting to get matty's take on that yeah well to me that'd all be new anyway because i've not got to the stage yet where i've had a proper build-up to a fight i've only been fighting on the small ball circuit where sometimes you don't find out your opponent till two days before and the one thing i will say is for me being on a small hole like circuit and working my way up there's a lot of pressure with tickets. You get put a lot of pressure on, on you to sell tickets. So obviously that's what your manager and promoters actually they really care about. I think at the end of the day, boxing's a business. Um, and with the normal life on on the side too of working and, you know, seeing family and just, just doing the everyday to day stuff, training twice a day and then um, and trying to sell tickets, it, it, it does that to be honest for me tickets is more stressful and pressure than the fight itself um especially if you're getting like kind of meshed around as well and you don't know whether people are coming or going you're trying to get money off people for tickets and that and it's like two days before the fight things like that can end but i'm not the only one who deals with that every boxer deals with that if you speak to a lot of boxers coming from the small hole circuit they'll all tell you the the, the shame but um yeah, tickets can be um, a bit of a, a stress one. I was going to say that, Matt, do, do you see this next fight? Because obviously it's, it, it, like you say, it's a step up now. Do you see this as a kind of pivotal moment on your progression and your journey in, in your career in terms of taking you from that small old circuit to perhaps better things after this? No, definitely. This could, this could potentially be a bit of a life changer for me. That's the way I've approached it, and that's the way I've treated it. If I win this fight, there could be so many doors that open up for me that can move me onto that biggest stage, fighting on TV, and um, maybe not, maybe having some backing from a from a, like um you know Sky or BT or these big companies, maybe having some backing where it takes that that load off you, you know, from trying to basically I have to promote myself, I have to promote my own fight and do my own tickets, whereby I have a promotional company like Max Room and Queensbury, Frank Warren. If I was to get in with any of these lot, they would take that load off me and I can just directly focus on the fight, which every boxer wants to do, do you know what I mean? So that that's what this fight could potentially do for me. I'm not saying it would, but it's definitely going to put me in the right step to, for, that to, for that to potentially happen in the near future. So just to remind you, my it's it's the first of December, Friday the first of December, Bol Bolton Arena, and then Channel Five. Yeah, I'm just still waiting for a time. I'm not. It's a bit all over the place at the minute with what time I'm going to be on the telly. Um, 
whole thing. Frank, kind of the listeners, they can watch the whole show. Yeah. And just just put the TV on, fuck out a pint and a glass of wine and watch Channel 5 and watch your uh, lad uh, have a fight. Uh, so so perhaps moving on uh, to, uh, let's start with a bit of human performance. So uh, we talked to, to from people in different sectors, different arenas, different things they do. And performance means uh, obviously different to everyone, to one working in finance, to to someone like yourself in, in the ring. So, yeah, maybe had to define what you see as human performance and that, I suppose, where you see your career in regard to that as well in the future. Yeah, well, I've been boxing since I was eight and the dream's always been to, to be a world champion. And now I've always been told that if you set your goal very high, even if you don't get there, you might still get far enough or close enough that you've done well. Um, at, at, at the minute for me, I'd, I try to take it fight by fight too. Um, I don't, I don't, in boxing is quite unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen and when things are going to happen. So I don't try to think too far ahead. Um, and like I said, I just try to focus on the one fight at a time because you don't want to overlook anything either. If you think too far ahead, you can you can end up hitting a brick wall, and then you know you're back to square one. And um, also with boxing, too, you don't want to be in boxing for too long. It's a tough game. People always think about the fights, but people don't think about the training. The training is where you probably take most of your damage. And um, the hundred rounds of sparring. Um, obviously, we we all know you're getting hit to the head, hit to the body, so there can be some um, health issues in in the long run so for me it's it's keeping my health intact um and 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 getting out with with i i suppose a bit of legacy a title and 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 some money would be would be the dream um but as i said it's, it's just take it take it step by step and don't get too far ahead of yourself if you know what i mean keep your feet on the ground a common trait amongst some like the world's best athletes i've seen is some of the the behaviors that Matty describes that he does himself, which is great for him. Um, you know, the this focusing early on the process, you know, not even the day before a fight, thinking about the fight, just thinking about that day before, thinking about what you need to do that morning. Stay, I, I've got, I, I have to say, you know, you, you, you miss the putt when you take the tee in golf. Um, and, that, and the reason for that is that if you're focusing on what you need to be doing with your putter, then you know where you're going to be able to do what you need to do with the driver. Um, and it, of all the athletes I've worked with, it's really great to hear Matty talk about the way he prepares and and also the the deliberateness of it as well. I always think that whenever you see any world class athletes across any sport, uh, I give you a great example. I watched the um, the GB gymnastics team prepare for the Olympics for Rio, and one of the things I always noticed about them, they were never in a rush to do anything. When they were all, when they were doing when they were practicing over and over again, they were never in a rush. So it was never like you'd see them kind of moving quicker than they want to move. Um, and then when they go to, and the reason why they do that is when they go to the tournament, they're going to be under so much pressure that you have to retain that ability to be able to control yourself and work at your pace. And then when you when you need to perform, you, you jump into it. So some of the things Matty's, some of the things Matty's described, I think is great. It's... Just touching back on my human performance and uh, even not something I'd, I'd think about, like say almost taking care of, of oneself between the fights, so you end a career with 32 fights, but the, the rally is the damage is done everywhere else, or in all the sparring, all the recoveries uh, from all the sparring and the recoveries from the fights as well. That's uh, an element of that performance that 
it's, it's, I guess, key for you as well. No, yeah, you have to, um, you have to look after yourself in this sport, don't you? Um, tra- training for me is the toughest part. Um, by what it, it's like, like you told me before about the men- mental. It is ninety percent mental, but the ten percent training that you are that that comes into play. It, uh, this camp's been a bit of an eye opener. It, it, it's um. It's made me a bit. It's, it's taken maybe from a boy to a man basically this camp, um. But I, I, like I said there, it showed me as well that you do take like I'm doing ten rounds of sparring on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's thirty rounds in one week. So you imagine someone, I don't know, a, a fighter that's been a pro for fifteen years, thirteen years. You imagine the build up of rounds that they've done in sparring, and and then fights on top of that. And you always hear a lot of, from, I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but you always hear in boxing that every time you leave that ring, you leave a part of you in the ring. And and the right, especially when it comes down to a, you know, a grueling fight and you're an 8, 10 round, 12 round, and it's a real bloodbath, as they say, you definitely do leave a part of you in the ring. Is is that is that where the, the old saying in boxing that the boxer gets old overnight yeah, you know, just a culmination of all that, and then just one fight they go to where it's almost like that 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 aging process has caught up with them, and they get cut out. I remember, you know, like the there's been well, there's been numerous fights like that, haven't they? Which have sort of almost in one fight, you know, kind of reached it, and then never been able to get back to that standard. And I never really considered all of like say all of the attrition that you take in between. Just out of curiosity, mate, what with this, if you if you can, if you we obviously we won't. Uh, this till after the fight. What 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 specifically have you is is taken you as you say from a, a boy to a man within this camp? What's what's been the difference with this camp? I think that the toughness of like the, the mental side of things again. Um, I've been doing eight ten rounds with three different opponents, so you can imagine I'm doing I've done four rounds of one and a new lad jumps in and he's fresh. I've only ever done a six round in me. That's the most I've done. I've sparred eight rounds and stuff before, but now, now, well, we originally were doing a ten rounder. All the rounds have gone up, so I've been doing eight and ten and twelve rounds and ten laps on the track. I've took, I've just took everything serious, you know, and just fully. For the for the last eight weeks, I've been like a living like a monk basically, and just done everything to the T. Cut, cut no corners, no stone unturned, done everything that I've had to. Um, where when you're a kid, or not a kid, but uh, when I was 20, 21, I feel like I would take the shortcut and I would uh, maybe, knowing knowing that I'm doing a four-round or a six-rounder, I didn't have that fear factor, basically. Didn't have that sort of, even though I still, always, I still worked hard. At the time, I was thinking I was working hard. But now when I look back, I know I know what I do now in training. I look back at me then thinking I was doing nothing compared to what I'm doing now. Um, and I think that's what I mean. Like I think I, now I know what what I have to put in to get out. And uh, if you don't if you don't put the work in, you, you don't you don't get the results. And 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 do you stay do you stay in fight condition between camps and fights? I remember is it, is it uh, Hatton was famous from kind of for ballooning and on the other side of the pond you had Mayweather Junior who kind of lived nonstop in the in the in the in the gym. Do you stay in condition between fights as well? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I've never have been either since since a young a young lad. I've always n- never been into partying. You know, drinking. I don't really drink much. Maybe like three, four times a year on a on a special occasion. I'm not really big into all that. Um, even even if I didn't box, I would train. You know, I'd run. I would lift. Um, I, I think that's just just built into me. I've always liked to keep active and. To be honest, that's not even to do with boxing. That's more to keep my to keep mentally keep fit. You know, you hear Tyson Fury talk about it. It's having like a routine, and um, something that I've really realised how important it is to have a routine. Um, waking up in the morning, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to the boxing gym two hours. I know exactly how long it takes me to get back home, and then I've got to walk the dog. Then I have my dinner. Then I go do my next session. Everything's like totally planned out and that's what I like to have that sort of routine and I like to know what I'm doing and what I'm doing next um, but through I'm, I'm I'm in the gym all, the, all through the year to be honest the gym that I'm at the coaches give you one week off after a fight um, and then they like you to be back in and just because you come back in doesn't mean you're coming back in and you do a camp you just work on a few things it's, it, the, the, the fairly easy training sessions they're not like killers but it's more like technical stuff so even if you've won a fight, you've won your fight, you box well, but what can we improve? So let's look at your fight back, come in the gym, let's work on a few little things, let's tweak it. So let's move on a bit, little bit. Uh, leadership, if that's all right, Matt. So uh, there's there's two aspects I want to chat about around this. Is you've obviously got coaches around you, you've got coaches, I guess, in the gym, certainly when you're on the Alaman, you've had a coach. When you, when you think about leadership uh, from those coaches, what, what do you see, uh, what, what, what? What inspires you, I suppose, for those people around you that, that I suppose you look up to as leaders? Yeah, I've met I've met many different people, many different characters. Um I suppose that again it comes down to individuality to what that person kinda likes. For me, I like someone who's quite um I need to um, to be totally honest, I need a, a leader who gives me the fear factor or a coach who gives me the fear factor. If I if I have someone, as they call a a yes man in my corner, I'm gonna do nothing. I, if you if if you tell me say like Matty, go to the gym and I want you to do this on the bag, but I can't I can't be there today. I won't turn up, and people people look at that and think, oh, that's a bad man bad mentality. But that's that's just me being honest. I need someone there who if I if I was to go if I was to go to the gym and I done ten rounds on the bag. It would it wouldn't it wouldn't be I wouldn't gain anything from it. But if I had a coach come into the gym and you say do ten rounds in the bag and the coach is there in front of me, the ten rounds in the bag would be total different than the ten rounds in the bag where I've been, you know, on my own going through the motions. So that's the main thing for me is having someone who you get but then you have to find a balance between getting on with them too. You don't want to be walking around on eggshells all the time. You need to get on with them but also know when it's time to work and they have and they and they can they have that button where for example my train my two trainers at the minute, Mike Jennings and Dave Jennings, they have I think they've got a good balance with me where we can talk and we have a laugh. But then it's like, right, that's it. We're on the track now, ten laps. I want I want ten good laps and they give you a, a kick up the backside when you need it. I guess it, I I mean I can I suppose working in offices uh, with my boxing hands and uh 
it's having a leader that's kind of in the trenches with you, isn't it? Willing to, uh, you know, not roll in late and, and but, but but be there and be with the let's say with the troops to 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 rally it. So so when you look at leadership in regards to obviously you do a bit of coaching now as well as young kids that you're working with. How do you do you take that same mentality in that, or do you treat them a little different because it's they're just learning the sport? How do you, how do you deal and lead? I've I've started helping out a gym uh, called Rainhill, just based in Liverpool, um, and it's all new to me if I'm honest. So I'm still trying to fi- find my find my feet in it, um, but it's it it can be hard sometimes because it's like trying to find that trying to find that balance between getting them to listen, but also, for example, for for boxing specifically about boxing. You get kids that come into the gym and they've been to school and stuff. They don't want to go from a school and then come to another school. Basically, you want to. You need to have that balance between you know, enjoying it, but we're also here to put work in as well and train hard and stuff. So sometimes you have to remind them that if you don't do the work here, you know they always they always they're always asking when can we spar? When can we have? I want to have a fight. I want to have a fight. Well. You turn around and say to them, then well listen, you when you want when you stop performing in the gym and you come in, you work hard and, and we see a change in your mentality and stuff and, and you're putting the effort in, then then that's when you'll get pushed forward. Um another thing about uh, leaders as well that I'll touch on is um training partners. Um there's a, a part a, a lad that I train with called Jack Cullen and Mark Jeffers. They're both um both a bit heavier than me, but they're both boxing on like sky, so they're a little bit ahead. Jack Holland, British champion, and Mark Jeffers, English champion. Um, Mark Jeffers is like um, a fitness freak. He'll do like he just he's like the one that you try to he sets the standards and you try to catch up with him. So he's the one to beat on the track. He's the one to, to, to you're trying to always over overdo him if you get me. And it was good because it brings that competitiveness, you know, competition and training. Um, but he's someone as well. It's always good. To, I always feel like it's very good to have people that are better than you. If it's even if they're not better than you at boxing or whatever, but they're fitter than you or, or they are better than you at boxing, then you can go right. I need to get in my head now. I need to. I need to meet him. I need to get to to his level, and then and then you know then you've come on. So I I always think that training partners are a big. Especially in boxing, anyway, probably most sports. If you have a good training partner that pushes you, it's 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 a, it's a big benefit to you. Yeah, I've got a, a really good phrase for that: a, a rising tide raises all ships. Um, uh, and uh, and and it, you know, it's it's the reason why you get like like hot veins of talent that come through. Um, is because once one person does it, everyone younger then starts to want to emulate. You know, cycling on the Alamo is probably most famous for that. But I think boxing's getting there now. You know, you know, there's there's now a number of boxers that we've now produced. You know, Matty being at the very front of that, and it's you know sometimes with leadership we think it's about giving speeches and stuff like that. But uh, you know, these kids that are watching Matty are, are looking at him and they're saying what. You know, I want to be like he is. I want to be at the level he is, or we'll even go past what he gets to. Uh, and you create that culture of excellence. And that 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 phrase, "a rising tide raises all ships," is absolutely phenomenal. Because if you if you can do that with a, within a gym, you know, and that's why you get gyms which then produce multiple world champions. It's not a, it's not a coincidence. It's because once one person has done it, these other young kids are going, "Well, that's the guy that I used to train with, and he's now world champion." 
no reason in the world why, why I can't. And that culture starts to breed. So for, for me, what you were saying before about leadership as well, mate, it sounds like it, it, you were a, a sort of Alex Ferguson style uh, leader that kind of give you the hair dry when you need it, but then protect you when, uh, and then be in the trenches would be perfect. Yeah, no, that's it. It's, um, it's kind of having one arm around you, giving you that comfort and, you know, giving you this. Well, a perfect example is is the the trainer at the minute, Michael Jennings, who trains me. He used to be a, a boxer himself and he's fought at the higher, he's fought at New York, Madison Square Garden for world titles and that. So he's been there the highest and pinnacle of the sport and done it. So he knows exactly what you're feeling like. He knows all the emotions that are going through you. So he's he's good at sort of keeping your keeping your mind off that and just keep just focusing on what you've got to do to win the fight. So that that's like that's one thing that he's really good at. But then the other thing that he's good at as well is he has that. If you, you, it's not just me, it's all the other fighters. I see it in the gym. It's like when he walks by you. Yeah, it's like someone just gave you a kick up the ass and you, you just, you just, you know what I mean? It's like, right, switch on now. And it's the same with Dave Jennings too. The thing is with Dave as well, Dave's good at, they both have their own, you know, like pros and cons and Dave's good at um, basically just telling you how it is. It's like, they both do it as well, but Dave's more like straight to, straight to the point. There's no sort of messing around. It just says it as how it is, and and it's the truth. And a lot of people can shy away from the truth at times, but and this is when it comes down to characters and individuality. I know that if someone's telling me the truth, that's how it is. Just deal with it and 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 accept the truth and it, and then and then learn from it or or work on it. Where other people might not work well with that, they might need a bit more, you know. You're, you're a bit more sensitive with them and I think as a coach it's finding that balance between getting to know your fighters what do they work best with and I think they've already found out that they just need to give me a kick up the ass every so often good stuff and uh, but so moving on to uh, resilience so uh, I think about I suppose in boxing when we think about resilience aside from the resilience of recovering from fights etc but that that ability to suppose bounce back from from losses and things like that. Fortunately, obviously at this point, that's not something that's high on the agenda. But if we apply any injuries, I know you're injured early in the year, and uh, it's, I suppose in sports, in when you're injured, and you know, I'm a, you know, a, a, what would you call it? Uh, you know, I like I like doing sport at hobby level, and when you're injured, it messes with your head. So in, a, in when it's your potentially a livelihood, and in your what future you seek, and how do you how do you deal with that, or how did you deal with that? Yeah, well, to be honest, that so my, the first, my first big setback was was before I was pro, um, and it was it was around when I was about nineteen, and I was I wasn't boxing as an amateur either, um, I wasn't really doing anything. I actually was over in Liverpool wanting to box, but moving from the Isle of Man, I left my family, I left everyone, I just moved straight to Liverpool, and it was a bit like my dad's quite old school. It was like if you want to go do it. Get get your back, pack your bags and get over there then and do it and it was just one of them, and it was a big eye opener moving to a place like Liverpool. Didn't have any friends, didn't have anyone really, and um, 
was stuck in a rut basically and I would think I was think I was like um I, I was stuck I was in the middle of nowhere so I wasn't boxing but I, in my mind I was still thought I was going to be this big boxer but I wasn't doing anything and it took me about half a year to sort of get just get my headspace right again and then I ended up actually got I ended up going back to the Alman and then when I went back to the Alman my dad got me on the roof straight away in like seven in the morning and stuff it was freezing and I remember thinking to myself nah I can't a bit like what you talked about coming this before being in the band I was like this is going to be me and I said, I don't, I just don't want, I don't want this. I need to, I need to go and give it a proper crack again. I need to go give it hundred percent. So I ended up going back to the Alman. Um, I was working like two or three jobs. I was working on the roof. So I was doing takeaway deliveries just to get a bit of money. So when I could go to Liverpool, I knew what I was expecting this time. And I had a bit of money to just, you know, for a month or two, I could not worry about money and I could get myself, you know, going. And that's when I made the change to go pro. And I had this total new buzz about me, and um, and then ever since it's just I, I, my my debut. A lot of people don't believe this. A lot of people don't know this. But my debut, I had no, I had a flat with um, a blow up bed, um, no Wi Fi, and no hot water. Until I think I got hot water for like the week before my fight or something like that, um, and then. Obviously, things changed dead quick. I started fighting and stuff. Then we had COVID, which is another step setback for everyone that was involved. COVID was a hard time because no one was able to fight, no one was able to do anything. And that's when I made the change of trainers too. I went from a gym in Liverpool and I went down to Trolley with Michael Jennings. Um, so I used I used COVID as a preparation basically to to work on stuff. So I, instead of thinking it as a you know, instead of being down in the, in the slums, I uh, I used it to to get ahead basically, um, and then I started doing well with Michael Jennings. Had a few fights um, this year. I I won in March, and I was meant to fight in May in Blackpool, and I got an injury uh, an injury to my shoulder, which which made me pull out. And um, but again, like I said before to to both users, when when I was injured, I obviously was frustrated, but I. Uh, I have a, a team I called to help me recovery, optimal performance. That they called over in Liverpool and they set me a program to to follow, like a rehab program. Um, and I was still running, I was still doing like my lift. Uh, well, it was like strength conditioning, but obviously it wasn't strength as in like heavy lifting because it was like rehab work. And um, and I used the time wisely to keep myself taken over instead of just feeling sorry for myself. I kept into a routine. Um, and then as soon as you know it, you um you you set, set October came and I was back out again and it comes around quick. One thing that I've always learned in life is when you're up and everything's gone well for you, it feel it never feels as good as it not is. I think it, I think this quote is actually off a off a movie, I can't remember the movie, but it never feels as good as it is. Like you're up you you're on you're on top of the world, you're winning fights, you're doing well, but it never feels you don't ever stop and think to yourself, Oh, I'm actually doing well here. You just start to want more and start to think like more and more and more. You never actually just take things and land and go, yeah, I've done all right here. And then when you're down, you feel like you're never going to get up again. You feel like everything's totally it's gone. But but everything moves on, life goes on, and you just things get. And, and I, I always say this to my dad, 
if I have like a couple of good days or a couple of good weeks, I'm like, Dad, things are going too well here. Something's waiting for me around the corner. I don't know what, but something's come to bite me here because things are going well. So we always keep in mind when things are going well, like I said before, don't get ahead of yourself. That's that's one thing I tell you, not to get ahead of yourself if things are going well. Because something's, something's around the corner waiting for you. That's good though, because it obviously it keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? So uh, that thanks, my you. I know we're a little bit short on time now, so I appreciate you joining us. Uh, obviously, a couple of weeks out, uh, so good luck with the rest, the remaining couple of little bits of your camp that you've got left. Uh, just to remind everyone: first of December, Channel Five, glass of wine, bottle of beer, sit in front, uh, get your man flags out, and, uh, and ch- cheer May on. Uh, and yeah, and all the best, and, and thanks for joining Phil and I for a chat. No, no, thanks for having me. As I say. Maybe next year, if I can get up to our man, we could always meet up again and have a another little yeah. chat. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Brilliant, bye. Cheers. Thank you, Bill. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Later. We live in a world of limitations and boundaries and.